the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead, and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. And in addition to my JD, I also hold a couple of master's degrees in law. I'm a, a master of the laws of taxation law, and I'm also a master of the laws of intellectual property law. Now, both of these great degrees were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, located in the still mostly deserted but slowly awakening and always beautiful streets of downtown San Francisco. Now, because of my training, my experience, but most importantly, my lifelong interest, I primarily practice bankruptcy, debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. And I'm proud to say that as part of my general practice, I'm sometimes able to seek out and attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves the victims of the various forms of financial elder abuse that's running rampant today as more and more of us fall over into that side of the aerospace where we're 65 years or older and people think that they have a right to our assets without our permission. (laughs) I am always so pleased to be able to come to you again today from my makeshift studios in my home in the beautiful, but still mostly deserted, but also slowly awakening city of Oakland, California, to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. But once again, and as always, I have to ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, and nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. You know, um, I'm basically hoping uh, to utilize um, my voice here on this show to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least an outline of some of the issues that can help you seek out and find qualified professional help to help you with your legal or your financial issue. And I do this again, and I know I'm beating a dead horse, But I tell you, representing yourself in a legal matter, especially one dealing with your finances, is like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. And that means that if you get real, real lucky, 
you can get real close to your adversary and you might be able to scratch her on the arm with your butter knife or poke her in the eye with your butter knife. But more than likely, because you and your butter knife are going to be in a courtroom, either in the courtroom or virtually in the courtroom, and everybody else in the courtroom is going to be a lawyer or represented by one. And as such, your you, that is to say your case or your defense, is going to see the promised land long before you do. So once again, the purpose of Selwyn's Law is to discuss the legal issues related to your money and more probably than not because of the situation we all find ourselves in today, the lack thereof. And I also want to discuss your overall finances and what you need to consider to protect your and or your family's and or your business's financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational forum. Okay, so again, and in as much as it appears that COVID-19 is going to be with us for the rest of our existence, today I want to share some information from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, that is to say the CDC, on what we as both consumers who procure our goods and services directly from publicly facing businesses, as well as those of us who are the owners of these publicly facing businesses, what we collectively need to consider as we all go about rationally opening up or reopening up our business community in a manner that protects the health and safety of our employees, our customers, because we go in and out, back to our homes, our families. So today, my resources are the CDCs, that is, again, the Center for Disease Control, 60-page report entitled CDC Activities and Initiatives Supporting the COVID-19 Response and the President's Plan for Opening America Up Again. And this report is dated May 2020 and found on the Businesses and Workplaces page on the CDC's website. And that website is located at www.cdc.gov forward slash coronavirus forward slash 2019 ncov forward slash community forward slash organizations forward slash business dash employers dot html. And the other document I'm going to use as a resource today is entitled Well, it is the CDC's 17-page pamphlet entitled Guidance for Implementing the Opening Up of America Again framework that I found embedded in an article written by the Associated Press entitled Trump Administration Buries Details of CDC Advice on Reopening. And it was written by Jason Deirdren and Mike Stobel, and it was published on May 6, 2020, and can be found at apnews.com. Okay, that's next stands for AssociatedPressNews.com. 
Now, according to the Associated Press, the Trump administration shelved a document created by the nation's top disease investigators with a step-by-step advice to local authorities on how and when to reopen restaurants and other public places during the still-raging coronavirus outbreak. The 17-page report by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention entitled Guidance for Implementing the Opening Up of America Again um, Framework. So the title again is Guidance for Implementing the Opening Up America Again Framework was researched and written to help faith leaders, business owners, educators, and state and local officials as they began to reopen. Now, it was supposed to be published last Friday. And again, because this article is written on the 7th, that would have been May 1st, 2020. But agency scientists were told the guidance would never see the light of day, according to CDC official. The official was not authorized to talk to reporters, but spoke to the Associated Press on the condition of anonymity. The Associated Press obtained a copy from a second federal official who was not authorized to release it. And I, this is Selwyn, I found it on the AP website. So because of our limited time, I will focus on just three of the uh, areas, um, the kinds of businesses that the report focused on. So let's start with the basic, the interim guide for child care programs. Now, according to the Center for Disease Control, and I agree, the reopening of child care programs is crucial to helping parents and guardians return to work. Many states have closed schools for the academic year, and with summer quickly approaching, an increasing number of working parents may need to rely on these programs. So the CDC's interim guidance for administrators of U.S. K-12 through schools and child care programs and supplemental guidance for child care programs that remain open provide recommendations for operating child care programs in low, moderate, and significant mitigation communities. So those are communities that have a large concentration of uh, people over 65, communities of color, uh, because of inherent uh, health care issues and, um, you know, uh, just general. And now we need to be concerned about children with this new syndrome that acts like Kawasaki syndrome. So in in communities that are deemed significant mitigation areas by state and local authorities, child care programs should be closed However, child care programs can choose to remain open to serve children of essential workers, such as health care workers and also transit drivers and also first uh, responders. All decisions about following these recommendations should be made locally in collaboration with local health officials who can help determine the level of COVID-19 community transmission and the capabilities of local public health systems and healthcare systems. Okay, so it goes on to give steps uh, that um, 
child care centers need to consider, the owners and operators of child care centers and what they need to consider. They need to, for all phases, is broken down by phases. So in all phases, you need to establish and continue communications with state and local authorities. They need to protect their staff and the children and the family members who are at higher risk for severe illnesses, and they need to follow supplemental guidelines. They also need to make sure that if they're interfacing with other uh, entities that need these services, that they're following the guidelines. The most important thing that they all need to consider is proper, thorough, and repetitive hygiene, face coverings, and the like. So when uh, we come back, we'll continue our discussion on what the CDC believes we all need to do to make our business safe for reopening. But first, we're going to take a short break and I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion of today's topic, and that is to say what we as both consumers who procure our goods and services directly from public-facing businesses, as well as those of us who are the owners of these public-facing businesses, need to consider as we all go about rationally reopening our business communities in a manner that protects the health and safety of our employees our customers, and all our families. Now, we discussed some key issues about reopening childcare facilities, which we need to open in order for many of us to be able to go back to our jobs if once our jobs are safe to return to. Next, I want to talk about another important segment. That is the interim guide that the C- CDC put together for communities of faith. Now, the CDC offers the following recommendation to help communities of faith continue their mission while keeping their staff and congregations safe. Now, according to the CDC, this guidance is not intended to infringe on First Amendment rights as provided by the United States Constitution. As all Americans are now aware, gathering presents a special risk for increasing the spread of COVID-19 during this public health emergency. The federal government may not prescribe standards for interactions of faith communities in houses of worship, and no faith community should be asked to adopt any mitigation strategies that are more stringent than the mitigation strategies asked of similarly situated entities or activities in accordance with the Religious Freedom and Restoration Act, also known as the RFRA. The CDC offers these suggestions that faith communities may consider and accept or reject, consistent with their own faith traditions in the course of preparing their own plans to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Now, in communities deemed by the CDC's guidance to be significant mitigation areas, again, this is Selwyn, those are communities where there's a high concentration of people who are 65. So we're talking about congregations here. We have a membership that has uh, senior citizens in it. 
and uh, uh, black and brown folks, because for some reason we're more susceptible to COVID-19. Well, it's not for some reason, it's because of inherent um, disparities in, in, in our uh, health condition. So if your congregation has these individuals, that's called significant mitigation areas or communities, the risk to the larger community of continuing to resume in-person gatherings should be taken into account and vital options should strongly be considered. Now, all decisions about following the CDC's recommendations should be made in collaboration with local health officials and other state and local authorities who can help assess the current level of mitigation needed based on levels of COVID-19 community transmission and the capabilities of local public health and healthcare systems. And why is that? Again, if we overwhelm our healthcare system, there are going to have to be some terrible decisions made about who should be triaged. And triage is a term that the military uses to decide who we're going to try to help and who we can't help. So if we do things to make sure that we don't saturate our healthcare systems, it's more likely that all of us, if we become ill, will be treated and we will be able to recover. Now, the CDC goes on to say, CDC offers the following suggestions for consideration to the extent consistent with each community's faith tradition. So they talk about things that you need to consider in the opening, or that is to say, reopening all phases. According to the CDC, communities of faith need to establish and continue to communicate with local and state authorities to, con- to consider and determine the current mitigation levels in that particular community. Communities of faith need to protect their staff and congregants who are at the higher risk for severe illness. Encourage the use of options to have those members of the congregation participate virtually, that is to say via um, various internet access, various things like Zoom or Slack, virtual participation with the congregation if that is feasible and if that's possible. The CDC goes on to suggest that uh, the communities of faith continue to provide congregants with spiritual and emotional care and counseling on a flexible or virtual basis or to refer them to other available resources. So I've already told you what a a virtual basis is, but flexible might mean that split the congregation into halves or or thirds and have additional um, 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 meetings so that um, there's not a high concentration of of, uh, congregants in one place at one time. They go on to say, you need to encourage other entities using the facility to also follow this guideline. Again, um, I I have worked with faith-based communities, so I know this. many congregations, churches, rent out their facilities to others, uh, to smaller uh, churches. And so if you are the owner of the church facility and you're renting the place out periodically to others, other congregations or for weddings or um, other kind of ceremonies, you need to make sure that anyone who has access to the facility follows the same guidelines as the primary congregation does. 
The CDC goes on to say, if the facility offers childcare or educational programs for children and youth, they need to follow the suggested CDC guidelines for those. Um, and then they break down the phases, limit gather in the first phase, limit gatherings to those who to be held virtually. That is to say, nobody comes into the facility. That's in the first phase when we're in total lockdown. Um, and um, especially if you're in communities where there's vulnerable populations, you need to limit the size of the person's gathering in accordance with the guidelines and directives of the state and local authorities and maintain social distancing. And phase two, consider continuing to hold gatherings virtually by remote viewing or for vulnerable populations and video streaming or drive-in options for services. Limit the size of persons gathering in accordance with the guidelines and directives of the local authorities. And in phase three, uh, where, you know, we all want to be, when there's full uh, um, reopening, limit gatherings to those that can maintain social distancing and consider using video uh, streaming or drive-in options for vulnerable sets of populations, of of the congregation's populations. And as always, safety first, um, hygiene first, face masks, and social um, limitings, make sure you have a lot of space. The final um, group I want to talk about is just restaurants and bars, because restaurants employ so many um, uh, low to moderate income people. Uh, The CDC has uh, focused on specific guidance on reopening restaurants and bars. And the CDC says this guidance provides considerations for businesses in the food service industry, that is to say restaurants and bars, on the way to maintaining their healthy business operations and safe and healthy working environment for their employees while reducing the risk of COVID-19 being spread amongst employees and the patrons of these establishments. Now, employees should follow the applicable Occupation and Safety and Health Administration, that is to say OSHA, and the CDC's guidance for um, the, the business plan for reopening um, these restaurants and bars. Now, all decisions about implementing these recommendations should be made in collaboration with local health officials and other state and local authorities who can help assess the current level of mitigation needed based on this COVID-19 community transmission and capabilities of the local public health and healthcare systems. Again, we don't want to overtax our healthcare system. So we, we, want, we have a duty to maintain our, our health and maintain that of our employees and our patrons. Now, in all phases, they say that restaurants and, and bars need to establish and continue communications with the state local officials, consider assigning their vulnerable workers to duties that can minimize contact with the customers and employees such as managing inventory or working on the cash register or in the back office doing administrative work. They need to provide all employees, that is to say, uh, uh, those that are more susceptible with a safe place to work. And um, they need to consider spacing um, the tables in the restaurant, maybe limiting access to the bar such that the employees do not uh, have to uh, be involved with a lot of 
communication and contact with the patrons. So again, the most important thing is hygiene, hand washing, uh, hand washing, hand washing, face covering and space, social distancing. You need to make sure that you keep the patrons and the employees safe. Now, with that said, I'm going to leave it there for now. But as always in closing, I have to say here on Selwyn's Law, we want to stay on the right side of the law, especially when we want to keep our families, our businesses, our employees, and everyone that we come in contact with safe within the bounds of having a successful business. So till next time, take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content.